So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i'm professor robert e.g black and i'm here with luke allen from the love rosie podcast here to discuss groundhog day again still it's been a long time since i've been introduced as luke allen for the love rosie podcast <laughs> i'm glad uh, because that show technically is still running I guess I was going to reference the Christmas one, but I couldn't think of the name of your podcast about it. Ah, it was Christmas, actually. It was that one. Was, was that, that it? One? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not the most original title. Like, neither is the Love Rosie podcast. Oh, no. For a movies by minute show, they generally have to be kind of generic. Yeah. Because you need people to be able to search for it and find it by name. With Love Rosie, we were going to do the like minute thing. And then it was like, but it's technically five minutes. And so it was just like Love Rosie podcast. Which has worked, I think, because those people who aren't aware of Move by Minute stuff are like, that's the podcast about Love Rosie. And have you found this, by the way? Sorry, when you do minute by minute shows, when you're talking to people who've like not often like cast or crew off the film, who aren't aware of the minute by minute community, I just almost credit you with the idea. They're like, it's such an amazing idea. I love that you decided to do this. It was like, I can't really take credit. There's like 200 of these. Yeah, the concept is not original, but. It's like directors getting the credit for their films. They didn't invent film. They probably didn't invent the story structure they're using. And we'll talk about story structure next week Woohoo! on this show. They didn't invent the words they use. They just put them in an order. Right. That's, deba- that's debatable too, actually. That might come up next week. Is this our recurring theme is authorship? Whether words mean anything. Oh, okay. But I mean, is authorship going to be like carrying on, do you think, as a... Are you still? It's part of it. Are you still having the the sort of unintentional recurring theme? Well, they kind of just happen because the way we record this as a single conversation, it ends up tying together in its own way. So could be anything. I will leave you mostly to talk and and input as when I can because I've got the least notes for this. Yeah. So we continue with Phil's news report. His first one: the excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. I, for one, am grateful to have been here from Punxsutawney. This is Phil Connors. So long, and. Rita, she liked his first part of his report, but now she's like, okay, want to try it again without the sarcasm? <laughs> He's like, we got it. And Larry says, prima donnas as Phil walks away. Next week, you'll get to hear about the scene that goes in between these two scenes. I put it a little out of order because I wanted to get into some detail about it because we cut straight to the van. But we get an establishing shot of it driving past the Welcome to Funksatani billboard we saw before in Algonquin, Illinois. And a uh, second exterior shot. I don't know the location. More snow. And the van, and then a third shot with a split highway, a snow plow going in the opposite direction. And I feel like the snow is fake on the screen. Yeah. It felt like special effect snow, like visually added by a computer or something. Yes. Something was weird about yeah. the snow. Or like maybe they only dropped snow close to the camera or something just to get the effect they were. Something was weird about it. I hadn't noticed it until you said it, but I know what you mean. Yeah, it feels something artificial about it. Mm-hmm. There's not as much 
this doesn't feel like there's as much depth through it. It doesn't feel like there's snow falling past maybe a few meters away from the camera. I don't know. I did a terrible artificial in post production thing with rain in a phony avenue that I'm my coursework film Oof. that I'm trying to fix. Rain's even worse. Snow, at least you can just kind of have like random things that vaguely fall downward and it looks like snow. Yeah. Rain, if you don't get the direction right, we, we can tell. Rain, I am trying to fix before if phony avenue goes out, out. Because it was done for coursework. So there was like real mm-hmm. tight deadlines on that that we shot this scene where it wasn't raining. And then in changing angles, in the literal change of setup, which I think took about two minutes, it was suddenly pouring down with rain. <laughs> and for one reason or another, I guess it must have been behind schedule or something, we didn't go back to reshoot the earlier stuff. And so this guy like leaves a building in the sun and then it cuts the other angle and it's in the rain. And I've tried to adjust like saturation and add something. And I think in the close-up of his face where rain's falling, it's mildly convincing. But in the wide where I've added rain... The ground is so present oh. that it's clearly dry <laughs> that I don't quite know what to do with that. I'm going to try and give it a go again now I don't have the coursework deadline. I'm still not allowed to... The, the stupid way of example coursework is that the film is not allowed to be released anywhere until after I've got my grade, uh. which will be about 14 months after I first made it. Wow. So that will be interesting. So I'll probably just dump it on YouTube. I won't try like the festivals thing or anything. Or if I do, I'll do that whilst it's on YouTube. I think I'm proud of it, but also my own personal hype for it died a year <laughs> ago. So it's like, I'll just drop it up somewhere when it's done. But yeah, that's, I wonder if I'm breaking any rules in talking about it. Probably not. I think I'm fine. But yeah, there we go. So, so artificial rain is difficult. If this is artificial snow, as you said, it might be a bit easier, but also they probably didn't have to do it for their A-level coursework with no. about a week's notice. They probably just noticed in this establishing shot it wasn't snowing, and they're like, uh, but it, it's snowing, that's the point, and someone had to fix it. Or it might just be that their focus depth was weird, and so it just made the snow look strange. Yeah. I don't know. It's just that one shot, the snow looks fake to me. Got Larry through the windshield. There's a conversation between Rita and Phil first that's very brief. I don't go into detail on that conversation next week, but there's an important part because she calls him unprofessional and she tells him there's no little stories, Phil, only little reporters with big egos who think they're too good for the job. She gets who Phil is, which is nice. And then we go to Larry saying, boy, take a look at this. And Phil, what is going on? Because you know it's snowing out there and snowing a lot. Yeah. We get a reverse angle out the uh, windshield. We are on Amstutz Expressway, a.k.a. Hiawatha Pioneer Trail. It's north of Chicago. Specifically, they're heading north. And the overpass ahead is Mathan, or Mathon. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm not from there. Mathan Drive. The same overpass, despite what I may have said in the Groundhog Day Project Day 199, somebody asked me today, that can be seen in Batman Begins among other films. And vehicles ahead are blocked by a jackknifed American brand semi-truck. Larry tells Phil, I don't know, Phil, perhaps it's that giant blizzard we're not supposed to get. (laughs) I love Larry. He has so few lines in this movie, but every one of them is great. Oh, yeah. He's definitely kind of, in in terms of what we were talking a little bit last time about, their their presence throughout the film, Mm -hmm. is that this is very much the Bill Murray, Andy McDowell film. Right. But they are a trio. And he's kind of just pushed out. Well, yeah, people remember Ned. They remember Larry. But their screen time is a lot less. It's it's good work. Yeah, it's great. I still partially keep thinking of him as Lily's dad from How I Met Your Mother. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's sort of still how I know. 
But it's weird, like, this is one of the scenes as well that, like, I went on um, on Groundhog Day this year, I went to a, a, a cinema re-release of Groundhog Day. Okay. And this whole scene, even though it's such a minor thing anyway, but th- this was one of a few moments that I genuinely just forgot were in the film. Like, there were a few scenes which almost felt new, but obviously couldn't be. But it was just weird. I think because there's so many big memorable moments that having, having not seen it as many times as you, there are definitely like just several scenes that I was watching in the cinema. I mean, like, I genuinely don't remember what happened to it. And this was one of them, even though it's very significant to the plot. I just had no recollection of this nice. when I was sat in the cinema. Which is interesting, especially, you know, come back next week, how important this scene is to the structure of the story. Yeah. Like Phil getting out of the van is a big deal. He is so desperate to get back to Pittsburgh that he's going out without his coat. That's a good point about him getting out of the van. The, he, he says this is impossible. He honks the horn, yeah. which Larry doesn't appreciate. Says, hey, 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 no, no, no. Nobody honks this horn but me. Okay, pal? And we see a reverse out the windshield, van slowing down, there's a line of cars. And then an exterior shot from the front as Phil, he's got his head sticking out the window, looking around, he's like, no, no. And do we, we see him get out before the end of this minute, right? Yes. Like yeah, he gets at the very, oh, on the second like note, right. Four seconds from the end. Because he gets out and then he looks back as Larry honks the horn. And we only see him outside for about three seconds, but none of the snowflakes seem to have hit his clothes in those three seconds, yeah. which is making me wonder about what we were saying about it being post-production or not. Uh, yeah. Well, they did do a lot of fake snow that they would put in the air in scenes, but there aren't many scenes of it snowing in this movie. That's very true. I guess because it's only at the end. Because it doesn't snow. The storm misses Punxsutawney until tomorrow or till tonight. Yeah. So they avoid that a bit with just fake snow on the ground. And so, yeah, that's how the minute ends as he gets out of the van. And next time he's going to talk to a state trooper and it's going to be really exciting. I've already written it. Excited <laughs> to listen to it. Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit just for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. No, I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Maybe think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone, lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. You couldn't plan a day like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. Time. last revision is what counts apparently what if we found them all all the perfect things in this one town in this one day we could collect them your time loop of the week you said was uh worst year of my life again which was an australian kids tv series i figured out that it may be available on tubi and then i didn't have time to try to watch an episode it's on youtube okay that might be easier i rewatched the first episode the other day but it's only about 12 episodes because it's each episode's a month of his life. Okay, so it covers like an entire year. Yeah, the first 15 minutes being like a bad... I think it's mostly just one day in that point where like embarrassing things happen or whatever. And then the next one, the next like second half of the episode is him living through it again the next year as he like tries to prevent it from happening. Okay. Yeah, it's a fun premise. 
I can't say more about it because I haven't watched it yet. So it's not gonna be a groundbreaking thing. You come out of it wanting to watch again and again and again. But ironically, probably about like 11, 10 or eleven, maybe younger. I don't know. And I, I remember absolutely loving it. And I did rewatch it quite a few times, and I found it very funny. On rewatch, some of it did genuinely make me laugh quite a bit. But it's definitely a kids show. I enjoyed it. It played with time loop in a, in a quite nice and fun way, you know, a fairly simple way. But also I like the fact that I guess for the series, you're kind of following two linear narratives. So is the second half of each episode is then technically in story structure is after all of the first halves have happened. Yeah. Interesting. So like the, the first episode is his like I think it's his 14th birthday, maybe. And like he has like a, a, he gets like some naff presents from his parents and things go all wrong or whatever. And then he wakes up ready for his 15th birthday a year later and he opens it up and it's like, didn't you get this for me last year? And they're like, no. And there's this whole thing. And then he slowly starts uh. to realize, hang on, I'm living through this again. And then there's just like minor things. Like I think someone gets hit in the head with a football the first time around and he suddenly remembers. But also they do acknowledge it as well. I think the fact that it's been a year, like every time someone gets hit by a football or he trips over, he's not going to remember that a year later. Like No. So no, it's quite good in that way that it 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 plays it quite well, and that it is just quite funny. So I do recommend it. And twelve half hour episodes, they're you know it's a consumable show. So yeah, I, I recommend that, and I believe it's all on YouTube. Don't know if it's uploaded by the copyright holder or anything like that, so I can't say it's officially on YouTube, right? But it's it's there, and it was a decent standard that I I watched a few on TV the other day because I was chatting with my sister about it a few weeks ago, being like, do you remember that that show? And uh, she did. It's got a catchy theme tune. I'm amazed at the things that you say. I'd heard it all before, just another day. January, February, all the same. March, April, May's coming back again. Oh, why? Cause it's the worst year of my life again It's looped around and pulled me back in Now yesterday has come again, oh no Yeah, 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 yeah The worst year of my life again My time loop over the week this week is also on YouTube, although on the filmmaker's official channel, you can only get a highlights thing that's just a couple minutes long. The whole film is like eight minutes, I think, but it is also on YouTube. Someone else posted it. It's also still on Vimeo, which I linked to in an entry of my blog. I like how when you're saying still on Vimeo, it sounded like that was the initial platform we put it on in 1981. <laughs> no, like- I'm... I, I, <laughs> I have the blog entry open on my screen and it has the Vimeo link with the video showing. So I'm like, okay, it's still there. That's why the still was in that sentence. It is eight minutes long. It's not a time loop itself, but it essentially treats sort of filmmaking as a time loop. Yeah. Because it involves 36 characters coming in and out of the same room doing different things. It was very complicated. If you find the blog entry, if I remember, I'll link to it. I had a GIF of the drawings that they did for like figuring out mapping where everyone was going to walk. And they did a graph of where each character enters and ends. So you can see it get more complicated and then get simpler at the end. And there's a lot going on in this. It's weird because I definitely, when it started, was like, okay, I get what it's doing. This is going to get boring very quickly. And it didn't. 
Like it was really therapeutic in a really strange way. I think it, it helps also. It's, it's called Tango. It's playing Tango music and it is edited in such a way that the noises that the characters are making kind of go with that music and it becomes part of it. Yeah. And so it's all very pleasant to just take in. It's like, I wouldn't mind this being like my screensaver or something. <laughs> if I was sat in college and the naked woman being on them might be an issue with that being my screensaver. Yeah. But the rest of it, like the rhythms, because it's it's essentially GIFs. It's it's gifts yeah. before gifts were a thing, which took a long time because yeah. they were doing it on film and rotoing each of these people into the shot, and so it was sixteen thousand cell mats, several hundred thousand exposures on an optical printer, seven months of work, sixteen hours a day to make this. That's insane. To make an eight minute it film, won an Oscar. Yes, it starts with a kid climbing in a window to get a soccer ball. It includes a guy climbing up on the table, I think, to change a light bulb and falling down. There's a guy putting a package, a guy stealing a package. There's a woman with a baby putting it to bed. There's the naked woman who comes in to get dressed and leaves. There's a couple that are trying to have sex and get interrupted. Someone changes a baby's diaper at one point. There's a lot. And then eventually it whittles itself back down to the kid with the soccer ball and the old woman who left the baby. She lays on the bed. Yeah, it's interesting because it, when it whittles down, it doesn't whittle them down in the same order either. No, it comes down differently and then ends with different moment that hasn't happened so far as that old woman lying on the bed and what was interesting about the the package is that the guy steals the package before we don't have the guy bringing the package first no package is just things like that i I imagine must make it more complicated to have been made and if you look at it they have i have a map from overhead of what they did and so he diagrammed where everyone would walk i'm pretty sure the editing if you really watch the roto work it isn't perfect but i don't think they cared they weren't trying to be perfect. No, I agree. It, there's points in which things kind of flicker out. Yeah, or people are really too close to each other. They would have bumped into each other. But also, if you look at the map from above, a lot of them, they knew how close they were going to get to each other. And they filmed around that. And they film at an angle where you can't tell how close or far some people are from each other. But I think, in a way, the, the few points in which the editing may not seem as great or with things flicker or whatever actually remind you of how great a feat it is right. to have been made. Same with like the roto work. When the woman getting dressed sits on the bed, you can see they didn't bother to roto around her. They gave a little bit of the bed to her. And so you see that very clear line on the bed and then it goes away and that just reminds you, oh yeah, they've been cutting out each of these people this whole time to put them into this shot. Yeah, and That 36 different people moving around a room, that's a lot. And they're doing it at a time where they had to re-expose the film each time to the new part and so sometimes at one point the baby is see-through and i'm like that's okay whatever (laughs) you're layering stuff it's gonna happen it's eight minutes long if i remember i'll link to it in the description but it's on youtube you can find it tango you won't know how to spell this the filmmaker is zbigniew rebszynski he's a polish filmmaker he's in his 70s now i believe he still makes things he's got a youtube channel he doesn't have a lot on there it's basically a few official parts of his films. I didn't know how to pronounce his name until you said it. I was reading his name and I just didn't not know how to pronounce it at all. It's Polish. It's got a lot of consonants, but I did look up how to pronounce it. And I think I was close. Oh, yeah. Watching it back now, I did notice the, the thing you're saying about the woman in the bed. Mm-hmm. There was a point in which I definitely watched it and went, what is that line? But that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Because they just didn't roto around the edge of her, I think, because she her weight pressed the bed down a little. And so they just let it. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. There's also the door, the setup, just in case you're not watching it, is a single room with three doors and a window. So people come in and out of those doors and windows. But the door in the back, 
the door keeps opening and closing and it often opens and closes on its own depending on where it needs to be for the next person. Uh-huh. But it gets into a rhythm of where it just seems like a swinging door and you forget about it. But the first couple of times it happens, you're like, the door just did something on its own and that's not right. But then you accept it because it's part of the film. And I will talk about another film of his next week. Fantastic. I, I will say his Imagine came in the recommended after this. Yeah. I watched that. I think I liked that even more. Mm. I really enjoyed that. Arguably, this tells a story. I mean, a single space. It's a room with a table, a baby bed, a bed, and some shelves. But it serves as a place for 36 different things to happen. And it's like about how life takes, like Groundhog Day, Punxsutawney is where all these people have their own lives and have their own things going on. And Phil eventually comes to realize that he's not the only person. Imagine, I think, tells a more, both more obvious, but I don't mean that in a bad way but more streamlined story. Yeah. And it's also about kind of like life and it almost fits with Ex Machina pretty well, I imagine, because it's about like men and women and relationships and how that transitions over time. I definitely appreciate your recommending of this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more of his films. Yeah. I, I said to you on, uh, on Facebook, I'm like, yeah, they showed us to this in like the first film class I ever took. And you're like, yeah, that's it, not apparently not a staple of film class anymore. And that's okay. No. Yeah, I mean, it might be in different classes. It's been a lot longer since I took that film class than the gap between then and the movie coming out. So now there's other things to show you a lot more. Well, now in film class, we talk about Ex Machina. So, you know. Right. So where can listeners hear more from you? I'll plug Love Rosie podcast. If you like unsatisfying endings. Yeah. Um, we'll, We'll be back at some point. If you like the first two thirds of the 2014 film Love Rosie, but are indifferent on the, on the last third, then go listen to my show that is incomplete. Myself and Ed and Asprey analyzing the 2014 rom com Love Rosie, which, first of all, if you haven't seen Love Rosie, you should watch Love Rosie. It's lovely, it's sweet, it's fantastic. But secondly, we also had several people listen to the show who let us know that they'd never seen Love Rosie, which is charming. Interesting. Because I, I guess you probably had that with with a few of your shows and listeners as well. But oh yeah, it's always intrigued me the amount of hours that listeners will spend listening to you talk about a film when it would take an hour and a half to watch it. I've only listened to one movies by minutes kind of show for a movie I haven't seen. It's because they did it in fewer parts. It was how to lose a guy in ten episodes. Ah uh, yes, they're talking in ten parts. I can listen, and it was amusing. Yeah, I mean we do play clips from Love Rosie as well, and we have lots of tangents, as, as I think is expected of my minute stuff. We talk a lot about filmmaking as a whole and some sort of deep film analysis. I remember one of them because we got the director on like episode seven, which was nice. And so I remember there was like something I talked about a couple of episodes more where I gave like a big detailed analysis of it. And then as the director was like, nah, just pick it back and it looks nice. That's okay. Richard Curtis thinks that Tim can travel through time. So the directors don't know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go listen to the two minutes about time finale as well. Yeah, it's still the finale. We did a bonus right. episode with Declared Clothes that's also worth listening to. But if you listen to that for Richard Curtis, then you won't get that. So thank you for listening to this show. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia X Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. And you can follow all three shows now in one feed. Just search an existential trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to this and more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. And you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. Bye.
Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day is not a documentary.